Dear God, we can ask you to lead us and guide us in this worship service this morning, also this evening. Uh, lead us, use us any way you see fit to accomplish your purpose and plan through our lives. And that's our prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake. And amen. All right. I don't think that I have anything special that, to announce except there be a short uh, business meeting following the evening worship service. And uh, also I have uh, a card uh, here, and this card is from uh, Sister Schaefer, and she wants to share these thoughts with the church. She wants to thank everybody for your prayers and your thoughts and your phone calls and your texts, and they were all felt by us, she says. And also the lovely flowers are favorite colors. And so we have this special thanks from uh, the Schaefers. And so we continue to pray for you, Kim, that everything turns out uh, according to God's plan. All right, brother, come and lead us as we continue to sing. <clears throat> 326. This song has some beautiful words. Make sure you pay attention to the words of the song. It's really great. <clears throat> Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, walk Christ my Savior, Weary and worn, facing for sinners, death on the cross, that he might save them from endless loss. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's And bleeding for sinners, pleading, dying and dying for me. Father, forgive them. Thus did he pray, even while his life's blood flowed fast away. Praying for sinners, violence such woe, no one but Jesus ever loved so. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see on Calvary's tree. Can my praises ever find in through you? 
years unnumbered on heaven's shore. My tongue shall praise Him forevermore. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see Him on Seven seventy four. Seven seventy four. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. When the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the Bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share. When the chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the sky and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the labor for the master from the dawn to setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the Six eighty five. Let's all stand, shake somebody's hand this morning. Six eighty five. Sweetly have we heard thee calling. 
footsteps of Jesus wherever they go. Seated 762 for the last hymn, 762. Glorious 
Well, I went to turn my mic on and I realized it was already on. I don't know when I turned that thing on. And if I've said something to offend anybody, I apologize because it was coming out over the speaker unless Greg killed it up there. And uh, it reminds me of that time years ago when this fellow, it was awful. Right before time for me to get up and preach, he would come and say some of the awfulest things to me. I mean vulgar things. And uh, that bothered me so much that he would do that. That was awful. And I uh, chatted him for it, of course. But he did that one, one Sunday, and when he had done it, I said, I've got my mic on, buddy. It wasn't turned on, but it was on. It was on me. And you know, he never did do that anymore. And so, I don't know when I turned that on. I, I hope my singing was pretty. My singing. <laughs> All right. If you turn together with me this morning to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. And we're going to be looking at a text... In verse 25, chapter 25, I'm sorry. Isaiah and chapter 25. And I pray that the Lord would use His Word. I I, I say this, but I know that He will. We already have that promise in the Bible. Uh, And aren't you thankful this morning that He's in control of that? He really, really is. You might say, well, the Scriptures don't mean anything to me. Well, that may very well be so. Or you might say they're such a blessing and God speaks to my heart. And that very well may be so. But He tells us that He's in charge of that. And it accomplishes His purpose always. So, Isaiah chapter 25, and that's our... That's our prayer, is that He would bless it. I want to read verse 6 through 8, probably to include a little more than that as we go along. And here's what it says, beginning in verse number 6. In this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, 
a feast of wines on the lees, that's on the sediment, of fat things full of marrow, of wine on the lees, well refined. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. And then I want to focus this morning on verse number 8. And here's what it says. He will swallow up death in victory and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces and the rebuke of His people shall He take away from off all the earth for the Lord has spoken it. Isn't that neat? For the Lord has spoken it. Now, I know that you may have noticed if you weren't aware of this verse number 8 that it just has a ring to it. There it is a statement that is made, and especially we know that in the New Testament we have that. In Revelation, in chapter 21, there will be no more tears. And, and so we find it in this verse, and talking about swallowing up death and taking away the rebuke of His people, and the Lord hath spoken it. I want to title my thoughts this morning, The Hope of the world's woes. The hope of the world's woes. And uh, we know that they are everywhere. We know they are on every hand. We know there are troubles and trials and tribulations and sadness and sorrow and sickness and pain and tears in our world and in our culture. And if you are familiar, well familiar with the Word of God, you understand the reason why that's so, because it is a fallen world, has fallen in sin, and so that's just the way that it is. And as I've mentioned to you maybe a couple of times, uh, we are anxious, or I am, and I'm sure that most of you are too, about the condition of our world that we live in. And I've even made this remark, you know, we don't know what might happen. I know uh, in preaching messages at the first of the year, and I'll just be honest with you, we just don't know. And we never have known that. We never will know that. We don't know what's going to come on tomorrow. We just don't know. Our life is a vapor. It's here for a little while, and then it vanishes away. So that's the way we look at our future, the way we understand our future, is that it's uncertain. Our future is uncertain. But I want to tell you this morning, I thank God for this text, especially verse 8 and what it says, because as we sung, there's coming a day. And there is. There's coming a day when no heartache shall fall, no clouds in the sky, and all of the things that are mentioned in that song that we just sang. And that is a wonderful thing. That's good news. Regardless of what goes on in our world around us, we have, that's what the gospel is. The gospel is good news. And every once in a while, uh, I may, I'll talk to people or have them call me or something and, and they want to talk and they, they're talking about the bad things that are going on, the troubles and trials maybe that they're having. 
And uh, sometimes even God's people forget that there's wonderful news in the Word of God. There are wonderful promises that are made that are going to come to this old world through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful for that this morning. So here, and I think it's unique that occasionally in the Word of God, we have a lot of things that are summed up in a very short uh, verse or uh, 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 several verses or whatever, that it's all just put together. And we would realize this morning that verse 8 is like that. It's just all been put together. And then he ends that by saying, the Lord has spoken it. That makes it right, that makes it real, and that's something we can, uh, we can hang on to. So that's one of the unique things about that. And when I was reading, uh, uh, my attention came to this passage of Scripture, and I just had to say, thank you Lord for the truth that is in this. Thank you Lord for the wonderful things that are going to happen in the future. Jesus Christ is going to come back to this earth and He's going to make everything right. Amen? He's going to make everything right. And I'm so thankful for that. So here in this passage of Scripture, Isaiah recognizes the God of all glory in this verse, the God of all power, the God of all truth, the sovereign God of the universe. Now whatever else you think about uh, the world's condition or in our own life and experience, this is something you can hang your hat on. That is that God's got this under control. Now we may be impatient sometime. We may want it to happen tomorrow. And I want to tell you all something. I believe that it very well could. That, that it very well could. I believe the Lord is coming back to this earth again like He promised. And I believe that it could be just any day now. Just any day now. I believe that. Paul said that when perilous times shall come, and that's when He's going to come back to this earth and make everything right again. So, uh, he recognizes the God that has an unchanging plan to right everything that is wrong. He has an unchanging plan. And that's what we see in this. And I think it's interesting this morning that Isaiah spoke these words 700 years or so before Christ came. 700 years or so. That ought to tell us something. That ought to tell us that God sees all time and all eternity. God exists in the eternal now. Eternal now. And so... God has a plan, and that plan is going to be uh, fulfilled there. And it ought to thrill the heart of every believer. It really ought to. I want to tell you this morning, that verse of Scripture thrills my heart. It thrills my heart. And it ought to make us say what he says in verse number 1 of this chapter when he says, O Lord, Thou art my God, I will exalt Thee. I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. His counsels is what this verse is about. They are faithful and true. They're going to come to pass. He even goes on, and uh, talking about it, it ought to inspire our hearts uh, to want to exalt Him and praise His name. 
he goes on even to talk about judgment, God's judgment that fall. That next verse says, For thou hast made a city a heap uh, and uh, of a uh, defense city, a ruin. And this is talking about the judgment of God that has come down through time. And certainly it has. Certainly it has. But He's to be praised and glorified even in the face of His judgments that He reveals upon our world that we live in. He goes on down here. I like verse number 4 where he says, For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shower from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. That's what he's saying here. And there's reason to praise the Lord in this passage of Scripture. Now, uh, one of the reasons why uh, I'm excited about that verse 8 is that all of it is yet in the future. The total fulfillment of it is in the future. I'm I'm going to make a point here in a minute because it dawned on me in thinking about this passage of Scripture that some of this stuff, some degree of the things that are promised here, we don't have to wait on because we can experience uh, that in our walk with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's a wonderful thought. So it should thrill our hearts because verse 8 is in the future. It's in the future, but it's just as real as if it was ancient history. Ancient history. And one day it will be. So there are three things that are in this 8th verse that I think are interesting. Three things. Number one, I want to mention that uh, I'll mention these and I'll share maybe some more about these as we go along. Uh, it says that he would swallow up death in victory. Swallow up death in victory. Uh, last, this past Wednesday night, uh, in teaching, there was a, there's this passage that's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's the resurrection chapter in the New Testament. And I was making a point about then cometh the end. Then cometh the end. That's in that passage of Scripture. And one of the things that our Lord is in the process this very day of doing is putting down all rule and all authority and all of these things because He must reign, the Bible says. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. I don't know whether you remember, sister, but your mom's funeral. I used that passage of Scripture. That's uh, the last enemy. And it is our enemy. It is. It, it tears us away from our, our loved ones. It brings tears to our eyes. Our life will never be the same in losing those that we love and cherish. But one of these days, he's saying here, totally and completely, there will be no more. That's not true right now. But there will come a time when there will be no more death and no no more parting. The second thing that he mentions here is he's going to wipe away the tears from all faces. Now you know that tells us something about uh, our world we live in and our culture. Uh, It is full of tears. I, I mentioned one time that over the last 45 years or so, in the ministry, I have seen a lot of tears. Oh, I've seen a lot of tears. 
And, uh, uh, you know, and it, they, it still breaks my heart. You know, I, it don't ever get any better. But tears of sorrow and tears of sadness and tears of disappointment. I thought it was funny. Somebody uh, sent me a text. Or no, they called me. I, they called me up on the phone and, and they uh, was telling me, you know, they, they can't be here. And so they uh, tuned into the broadcast. He'll know who it is because he's watching this morning, I'm sure. And he told me about, uh, he uh, made comment about the worship service and little Gail got baptized. And, uh, and he noted something that in baptizing her, uh, I had to stop because I was just about to cry. I mean, I couldn't help it. I was looking her in the face. She had a big smile on her face. She told me before the baptismal service, I'm so excited, Brother Thomas, about being baptized. And, and, and so I, I just about cried. And that wasn't bad kind of tears. That was tears of joy. Amen? Tears of joy. And then we had a commitment made last Sunday morning and I'd done the same thing again. Tears of joy. Tears of joy uh, that bless my life. And that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the tears of sadness and sorrow and all of those things is what he means by that. Then he says here, the third thing I'd mention is that he would take away the rebuke of his people from all the earth. Now, that, that means that God's people, now, true people, God's true people have always been hated. Now, they have. Now, uh, been despised, been rebuked. Uh, uh, down through time, all you have to do is read the Bible because it's an account of history. And you'll find that that's true. That's true. It's true this morning. It is true this morning that God's people have always uh, bad that. But one of these days, He's going to take that away. And uh, uh, so we're glad, we're rejoicing in that verse. Now, I, I want to make some comments about this. That One thing that I think is really interesting here is the place of this work that He's talking about doing. The place of this work. That, that's really interesting. Verse number 6. I'll, I'll read that again. And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things. And he goes on to say, make more comments about that. Now, that, that's an interesting statement. In this mountain. In this mountain, I believe, has a very special meaning. One of the verses I want to read is in the second chapter of this book, book of Isaiah, chapter number 2. And I'll read about three verses in your hearing this morning. Chapter 2, if you'll look there at verse 1 through 3. Now talking about in this mountain. What is he talking about when he says that? In chapter 2, in beginning of verse 1, the word of Isaiah, that Isaiah, the son of Amos, uh, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. That gives us an idea 
about what Isaiah was talking about and what the meaning of that is in our text. In that third verse, he says, And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up uh, to the mountain of the Lord, the house of the God of Jacob. And He will teach us of His ways, and we will walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now, I don't need to tell you, I don't think this morning, that that's talking about the gospel period. That's what it's making reference to. The gospel period. What is the gospel period? It is the period in which we uh, exist today. The gospel period. And its effect is what he's talking about. So, in this mountain means, of course, the hill of Zion in the Scriptures. The city of God. But more importantly, and uh, the word to us this morning is that it is the Lord's church. It is the messianic kingdom in this period in which we live. This is His mountain. This is His mountain. That's what He's talking about here. And He gives us some precious uh, promises that's made there. I like this. He says, verse 6 again, And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things in this mountain or through in our day, I believe with all my heart, through the ministry of the New Testament church. I believe that's what he's talking about. What kind of feast could that be? Now we Baptists, we like to eat. And we, we like to think of it in terms of physical food and stuff like that. And that's alright because uh, most of us have a pretty good appetite. And we like to feast and stuff like that. But that's not what he's talking about in the passage of Scripture here uh, before us. He's talking about, and we see that all throughout the Scriptures. You may remember that uh, just a few weeks ago on Sunday night, I shared that the psalmist said in the 23rd Psalm, he said before me, a table in the presence of mine enemies. And so that, that's such a powerful statement that David made because if you've studied or followed uh, with us on our study in, in sun, on Sunday nights from the Psalms and David's personal experiences, uh, we might wonder how anybody could think about life in that way or experience in that way as uh, the experience that David had. He spent so much of his time running from his enemy and hiding out uh, from King Saul who tried his best to kill him. And so in spite of all that, David talks about his blessings in life. And I, 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 I've, I've, made, I've been made to think about that a whole lot. It seems that sometimes the more troubles and trials that we have in life, the more we lean on the Lord. Learning to lean on Jesus. I tell you what, leaning on the everlasting arm. Isn't that good? I might preach a sermon about that next Sunday. Leaning on the everlasting arm. We sing about that. You know, does God undergird His people? And you know what? His, among His people, there may be some that don't do too much leaning. They may be in an attitude of self-sufficiency. I can take care of myself. But then there are those who are most blessed, who have come to realize in life, and maybe over and over, 
I need to trust in the Lord. I need to lean on Jesus. I really need to lean on Jesus. And be thankful, my friend, when you've had experiences like that in life. And you may think, well, it's awful. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. And I'll confess it, I don't like it one bit either. But I'll tell you what it always does in my life. It always does, and I'm thankful for that. It makes me lean on Jesus. That's what it makes me do. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for it because it's such a wonderful blessing. This feast that he's talking about is not literal food, even though the Lord blesses us with that. Amen? He blesses us with the food that we need in life. But this is talking about spiritual food. This is a spiritual feast. This is talking about what the Christians experience in walking with the Lord. Walking with the Lord. It's always a bountiful experience that we have. That's the way it's supposed to be. And the Bible makes reference to this all throughout the Scripture, the feast that the Lord has for us. And it culminates in the New Testament with the parable of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Isn't that a wonderful parable that is given there? And that's what it's talking about. The marriage supper of the Lamb. And then also in the institution of the Lord's Supper, where we picture feasting on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John chapter 6 talks about that. That's really what it's all about. You all may remember the last time we observed that ordinance here in this church that I shared with you. I think the title was Feeding on Jesus. Feeding on Jesus. And he talks about His flesh. And he talks about His blood. And how that pictures uh, our experience that we have with Him. And oh, I'd plead with you this morning, if you know the Lord, be sure that you don't let anything interfere with that wonderful feeding on the Lord and those things that He provides for us. So it's divine provisions for the human soul. It's what it's all about. Those divine provisions for the human soul. Don't that make you happy? Don't that make you rejoice? But that's what he's talking about. Then he further reveals here uh, in verse number 7. It's a fuller revelation of his work on that mountain. Here's what he says. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. Now we know what that means. The Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about uh, the, the veil that is over uh, the multitudes. And, uh, you know, people fail to realize the meaning of that. You remember last Sunday morning I brought a message that talked about if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. What a wonderful passage of Scripture that is. But you know, it's, uh, it is conditional, that verse is. We know that because it starts out with an if. That means if we walk in the light. I love what John said in chapter number 1. I love what John said in chapter number 2. I love what John said in chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6. 
I love the Gospel of John. But he says this, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 1. Now I'm preaching about the veil. I'm preaching about the veil. He says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know who the Word was, don't you? None other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's capital W's in our Bible. And I don't care what the Jehovah's Witness translation says in verse 1. It's wrong. Ours is right. Ours is right about our Lord. And it says in verse 2, "...in the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not." That's our Lord and Savior. We sing, "...the light of the world." Is Jesus come to the light? Is shining for thee? I'm not going to sing no more because the words might not come to me, and I might say something wrong. But anyway, we understand what that means, don't? Walking in that light, walking in that light. Aren't you thankful that you can know Him, and we can go to Him in prayer? How many of you lately have prayed? Oh Lord, please lead me and guide me. I want my life to count for Your honor and Your glory and Your praise. Pray that prayer. If it means something special to you, then pray that prayer. And so, that's what he's talking about here in verse 7 when he says, and He will destroy in this mountain the face of covering cast over all people and the veil that's spread there. He's going to destroy that. He's going to take it away. Take away that spiritual uh, darkness that's upon uh, the, the uh, minds and hearts and souls of men. So, but then in thinking about this passage of Scripture, this thought came to my mind. And I thank the Lord for it because I thought it was really special. Is that this verse 8 is talking about the future. Out there in the future, Jesus is going to come back. There will be no more death. There will be no more crying. There will be no more tears. There will be no more rebuke of His people. None. It's over. It's in the future. And the thought that came to my mind was, Lord, thank You that Your people really can experience a great degree of these things that you promised was going to happen out there in the future. And I believe that with all my heart. Uh, these blessings can be realized in our walk with the Lord. They can be realized. Now, he says in this passage, you take away the fear uh, of, or take away death. Swallow up death in victory. So, that's going to be gone. But you know what? We're promised in the book of Hebrews and chapter number 2. I'll turn over there. I love these verses talking about that death that we have to deal with and have to contend uh, with uh, in our experience in life. And he says this in chapter 2 of the book of Hebrews. And I'll read these verses uh, in your hearing. Here's what he says. 
he says in chapter 2 and begin verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that's us, He also, that's our Lord and Savior, Himself likewise took part in the same that through death, through His death, He might destroy Him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. I've thought a whole lot about that over the years, what it means for Him to have the power of death. Now we know that He does not cause death unless the Lord prevented, uh, allowed Him to do that. You remember the story of Job. God told the devil, you can do this to Job, but you can't take his life. You cannot take his life. So, sometimes you might think like I do. I made a remark about this the other day. I said, you know, uh, the devil hates me. <laughs> he, he'd kill me if he could. And I really believe that. I really believe that if he could, he would kill me. If he could, he'd kill you too. Amen? And so, but he has the power. There, there must be something that the devil is in control of related to death. That is an issue with us today. And he says he has the, uh, that is the devil. In verse 15, I love this verse. He says, And deliver them who through fear of death were all the life, lifetime subject to bondage. Now, I, I don't know. You know, for a lot of years, uh, I didn't fear death, I guess because I was really ignorant and stupid and all that kind of stuff in my younger years and just like a lot of uh, crazy kids, you know, just involved in stuff. And I've thought about so many times some of the things that my brother Randall and I were involved in. And, you know, it's by the grace of God that we're here and not totally crippled. We're crippled a little bit, but not totally because of some of the foolish things we did and involved in in, in life. So for a lot, long time, I wasn't afraid of it. And then I got to a point when I had a little more sense than I used to have. But then in my relationship with my Lord and Savior, I can really say I don't fear it today. I don't fear death. I'm not afraid. Not afraid, the song says, to kiss this world goodbye. Not afraid to bow my head and die. Not afraid. Oh, is that your experience today? But we have that experience. You see, that's, that's part of this wonderful promise that's going to be fulfilled out there in the future when Jesus comes back again, that we can, to that degree, experience that. That death is, is not my enemy. Death is not my enemy. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not being foolish. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm ready to check out, but I just soon not do it today. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love my wife and I love my family. I love my church. I love you. I really do and take no credit for that whatsoever. It was shed abroad in my heart. In my heart. I'm thankful for that. And so I, I just soon hang around just a little bit more, you know, because I enjoy what I do, enjoy people, enjoy ministry. And so, I mean, I'm not being foolish about it. I'm not rushing, 
rushing it. I'm not going to step out in front of a Mack truck today. I'm going to just try take care of my stuff, be a good steward of my health and things like that. But subject to bondage. And, and I understand what that would be like. I don't experience it, but I understand what it would be like. The fear of dying. And I want to say this, my friend. If you're not ready to die, you ought to be afraid. You really ought to be afraid. You really ought to walk in bondage. Because that's one thing that is uncertain. And it may happen in your life. You need to be sure. Make your calling and election sure, the Bible says. And so we can do that. And so that's part of that experience. Uh, And so the fear of death, then wipe away all tears from our eyes. Now we're going to have that. Uh, You know, we can't help it. And again, I want to exclude the tears uh, of joy. I want to exclude that because that's not bad. I'm telling you what, if you have tears of joy, bless your heart. You know, you have a good experience. But Isaiah talks about this in the 35th chapter of the book. He says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs of everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So what does that mean? Even though we live in a culture, in a world, where there's a lot of heartaches and despair and troubles and trials on every hand, and where there's tears uh, uh, everywhere, there's tears, the child of God can have this experience of joy in spite of those tears. So that's another one. Now the rebuke, uh, you know, we don't have any control over the rebuke that God's people uh, experience, but I'd remind you of a statement that Jesus made that I brought out a week or two ago. Uh, Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have trouble. You'll have tribulations. You'll have trials. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Aren't you thankful for the opportunity we have to draw aside and be together and worship the Lord and experience the joy in our heart and the happiness and peace and to be able to share it with one another? So you see, that's what I mean by the degrees of these things that are going to happen in fullness out in the future. We can enjoy joy them. And I want to close and conclude the message this morning and talk about this great joy that he expresses in verse verse 1, that the Lord is not going to fail. He's not going to fail. The counsels of old are faithful and they are true. You see, God has a plan. He's had it all along. You say, preacher, can you take us back to where it started? No. I can't do it. It's one of those things about God and the way He does things that I can't explain. I can't tell you how long He's had this plan that He talks about here. But I will tell you, it's an eternal one. It is a plan that's been forever. There's a versus passage of Scripture that talks about what's going to happen in this, and I'm going to read it 
to you. It says, Having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to the good pleasure which He hath purposed in Himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and earth. That's going to happen. That's that plan. And it's a perfect plan. It's a good plan. He's going to bring it about. He says, and also in whom also we obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him that worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. I, I want to tell you that brings joy to my heart. That it's His will, it's His doing. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted Christ. That's who it's going to be. That's that plan that's working itself out and going to be uh, true. One of these days, He's going to assemble His people. And the last words He spoke in verse 8, for the Lord has spoken it. That's how sure it is this morning. And I'm excited about that. The Gospel is good news no matter where you get it. Amen? No matter what book you take it from. No matter what the setting. It's good news. God's got a plan. And I challenge you this morning, make sure that you're in it. Make sure you're in it. And you can do that. Thank God for that. The Lord has spoken it. Father, we... We want to praise You this morning. We want to thank You. We love Your Word. We love it so because it helps us along the way, gives us encouragement, helps us, Lord, to know how to live for You. Know how to bring praise, as Isaiah said in verse 1, and honor to You. And we do to the best of our ability this morning. And we pray You'd help us always to do that even more in our walk with You. So bless us now as we sing this closing number. Lord, I would pray for anybody in this sanctuary who needs to make a commitment. Father, this might be the very moment when it happens. And if there's someone that is listening to the worship online or Maybe we'll download it in the future. And we thank you for all those downloads that we learn about, the thousands of downloads all around the world. Father, you might use uh, this message, not the words of this preacher, but the words of your book to touch somebody's life and bring them to a saving knowledge of you. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Now would you stand with me? While Rick leads us in a closing number. Turn to page 504. 504.
true it is. Thank you for your presence and thank you for your good attention. And uh, be careful and I'll see you this evening about six o'clock and we'll get into one of my favorite, not my favorite, but one of them. There's several of them that are Psalms and what a precious truth there is that's in it. You'll have to come back tonight to find out what, which one it is and what's precious in it. All right. As we go our way, Greg Rose, will you dismiss us, please? Thank you.